Good morning, folks. On the line with us is Juno Senator Jesse Keel. Good morning, Senator. Good morning. How was your fourth? I had a fabulous Fourth of July, although it was hot. Uh, but we had a great time in both uh, the Juno and Douglas parades, bunch of volunteers, and all kinds of great folks came out for a lot of fun celebrating uh, America's independence. It was a good time. We saw at the very front of the Juno parade was the float honoring the late Senator Egan. In seeing that, I wanted to give you a moment to provide your thoughts on on the senator. Well, uh, you know, I... I I don't usually uh, uh, dare try and speak for other people, but I, I think it's it's safe to say um, we're we're all going to miss Dennis Egan. Um, he was a, a, a tremendous public servant who really put uh, put Juneau, the capital city, first, uh, put Alaska uh, first. Um, took took great care of his family, and uh, of course built um, built up an institution um, when he bought the. The radio station uh, ran it for forty some years. Um, it's the it's the precursor and and the foundation of of uh, the radio station that we're broadcasting on and you're listening to today. Um, but you know, Dennis was just a, a a great guy. He had a, a mischievous streak a mile wide. Um, <laughs> although, you know, in his younger days, it was a little wilder than uh, than it was in his later days. He uh, he maintained it right to the end. We were on a call. Um, he and I, a week before he passed, and uh, <clears throat> there were certain hand gestures on the Zoom that were uh, were unique to Dennis Egan, let's just say that, and, and leave it there for radio. Well, it, it, and, and you know it's unique since you had worked with him, right? <laughs> you know, um, Dennis wasn't just um, a great public servant. He was also a really good friend um, to me and to just uh, countless people. When I, when I worked for him in his office, um, you know, pe- people would sometimes call and say, oh, yeah, I'm a great pal of the senators. We go way back, and I need him to do X or Y for me. I need him to look at Z or, or A for me. And, and, and folks say that to everybody, but in, in Dennis's case, um, in Dennis's case, everybody was a friend, you know. Um, they really did go way back. Um, nobody was exaggerating when they said that. Uh, and, and that was just, uh, man, we're going to miss that guy. Oh, God, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was the other thing with Dennis when he uh, when he uh, first came into the Capitol building. Um, uh, a lot of people uh, from elsewhere in the state didn't have much experience with him, so uh, he'd come into his office uh, ready to talk about a piece of legislation or a budget item, and and he'd say, "Oh, what do you want?" Um, or, "Oh God, it's you again." Leave me alone, and and uh, you, you had to prep people a little bit, right? Because that was Dennis's version of hello, putting you at your ease a little bit, and you know, just sort of, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, banter. Um, if if Dennis ever said to you, "Oh, I'm glad you're here. Please, please sit down. I'm interested to to have a dialogue with you." It, it, something was very wrong. <laughs> the right? tone was different. <laughs> Um, but but uh, and he grumbled and groused at you, and, and he expected you to grumble and grouse right back or, or give him a little grief to go with what he was giving you. It, um, it, it did. It set a different tone, right? It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a position of power then. Uh, it was just two people talking, and, and you could just talk with Dennis. Well, our condolences to the Egan family, and I'd also like to say thanks to the folks on Problem Corner. I've heard many condolence wishes as well on there. And given that he hosted that program, I found it very fitting. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we. Uh, I certainly appreciate all the kind words about Dennis, and I know that um, that Linda and Jill and Leslie and the rest of the family uh, do too. So, Senator, to not change the tone, but move a little forward here, the governor has signed the budget into law, and it contains many of the items we spoke about in our last talk, but the top vetoes seem to primarily be on school construction. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that was an unfortunate move by the governor. Uh, I understand he he was just uh, really focused on on cutting uh, and on reducing the number. Um, but it, it it is a little odd um, to to come in with two hundred and forty or two hundred some odd million dollars um, on on past school bond debt payments to to cities and boroughs, which was absolutely I absolutely support and which uh, I completely think was appropriate. Um, but but to veto money for uh, repairs that need to be made tomorrow, right? Uh, the top hundred million dollars on that school major maintenance list around the state, um, those are <laughs> those are the projects where there's really something very wrong. Um, and and you know it certainly wasn't the entire list of, of every school project that needed to be done. So to to take that down by sixty some percent, um, that's that's a pretty unfortunate call. Uh, you know, anybody who uh, who owns a home or or owns a boat uh, knows that if you don't keep up on the maintenance today, um, you're looking at much bigger maintenance costs or replacement costs tomorrow. Um, and and so you you look at that, and then you combine it with our state's economy, right? That. The folks who uh, do what we call horizontal construction, right, roads, harbors, uh, repave the airport, right, there's a lot of work out of that federal infrastructure bill, uh, and it needs doing. There's no doubt um, that it, it's needed. There's almost nothing in that infrastructure bill for the, the horizontal folks, right, folks who, who build or, or repair uh, office buildings and homes and, uh, and uh, apartment uh, buildings. And... You know, this this major maintenance for schools, well, that's work for carpenters and, and electricians who work uh, buildings and, and uh, you know, the, the plumbers who do, do vertical. So you, you've got one side of the construction economy that's, that's going to be superheated here pretty quick and another one that's still hurting. Um, it would be a good way to balance things out. Um, so... Uh, I, I think it's unfortunate those school vetoes. Um, that's that's a, a place that this governor has looked often, uh, and we just really disagree on the importance of our public schools. And Senator, on the on the topic of economy, you had pointed out in your real deal with Keel that some of the vetoes impact the southeast economy. Could could you expand on that? Well, um, you know the the unfortunately. Uh, I don't think many regions of the state were spared, um, Kevin, and, and and I don't know that the governor took a, a particular uh, uh, painted a particular target on Southeast this time, the way he did for three years with the ferry system. Um, this year, um, uh, we, we seem not to have come in for extra special ire, but um, unfortunately, those those vetoes did not spare um, our region. You know, uh, one of the <laughs> One of the other ones I'll just flag is another uh, major maintenance uh, set of issues. At the University of Alaska Southeast on the Juneau campus, a year ago, I got uh, $2 million for some 
buried oil tanks above Auk Lake that, that are getting old. They've got to be replaced. Um, replacement uh, fire alarm panels, uh, especially uh, where we teach welding. Um, you know, some handrails and roofs, stuff that just has to get done. He vetoed that. This year there was a statewide package um, of university stuff that included now $2.4 million because construction costs are rising for everybody for those same projects. He vetoed them again. Um, they, they still have to get done. They're just going to cost more. It's, um, it, was, it, it was not a wise use of the veto pen. So like you were saying earlier, the sooner the better in this case. A- absolutely. The, <laughs> the price tag on those projects is not going down. Um, and these are not peripheral buildings where we might someday maybe not use them later. I mean, again, right, where we teach uh, diesel mechanics and, and welding, um, UAS is always going to need to teach those. Uh, the classroom and office buildings right on the heart of campus, they, they still need heat, and they still got, you know, uh, uh, handrails that keep people from falling down uh, where there's a balcony or, or over the, uh, the downhill side of a slope. We build on slopes in Juneau. That's what we do. Um, You've you got to have the safety stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be unnecessary. It's just going to be more expensive. So overall, you'd call the budget adequate. Why is that? On the whole, um, and let's switch from capital to the to the operating budget, right? The things we need state government to do um, for us uh, year in and year out. It's it's a status quo budget. It, it it doesn't replace some of the the really deep cuts that we've been making for some years now. Um, little exceptions to that would be K twelve schools. Uh, we got eighty seven million dollars statewide to increase. K-12, public school education, and that's just critically, critically needed. The schools haven't had even an inflation adjustment for six years. Um, This does not catch them up. It doesn't keep up with this year's inflation, but without it, our schools would be so far behind on funding. It'd be hard to see them in the rearview mirror. We can't do that to kids. We can't do that to the next generation of folks we need to to work jobs and own businesses and, and start enterprises and be public servants and everything else. Um, so, so that's a really important boost that makes up for some of the, the deficiencies that we sort of uh, we've kept from past years. The other thing that we got a, a, a little boost for, um, and it's not much, is direct caregivers, people who provide in-home care for senior citizens, who would otherwise uh, qualify to go to a nursing home? We we don't have many nursing homes in Alaska, right? They, they'd be going outside, and it would cost vastly more than in-home care, um, or or in-home services for folks with developmental disabilities, right? Um, same deal. Those people with developmental disabilities should not be having to live in institutions if if we can do uh, a little for them that keeps them living at home, independent. Um, and and at much lower cost. But just like everybody's having trouble hiring, um, the little nonprofits that employ those direct caregivers, uh, their budgets are just just uh, scratching every every penny, um, and they've been drained for years. So we got thirty million dollars uh, again. That's statewide an agreement with the nonprofits that that's going to go direct to the care providers' salaries. Um, that's not going into the admin. Um, not that. They're fat on admin, but um, directly to help them hire people, provide those services to Alaskans who need a little hand to live good, independent lives. Um, uh, 
So I'm particularly proud of, of those two things. Um, and they help counterbalance some of the real problems that we still have with a budget that's pinched. I mean, it's, it's tight. Um, maybe the last thing, and I, I know we're going to need to head to break pretty soon, Kevin, is, is because of the infrastructure bill, we have money to run the ferry system. And I think you and I have talked about this in the past. Um, mm-hmm. There's almost, almost nobody in the country got any money to run anything out of that infrastructure bill. It's almost all construction. The exception is the Alaska Marine Highway System. So now our limits aren't going to be um, necessarily the operating budget. It's going to be can we keep the vessels running in good enough shape to be running, and can we crew them? Because uh, all those years of budget cuts to the Marine Highway System, we were down more than 130 folks before we got into this great resignation, post-pandemic hiring crunch. Um, and, and we are desperate for sailors uh, at every level on the marine highway system. That's going to be the limit on the, on the ferry budget, but we are going to, or excuse me, on the ferry uh, schedule. But we are in a rebuilding period on Alaska marine highway system, and, and we need it badly. And before we do go to the break, Senator, it's, I suppose it is connected to the budget. Uh, there's been questions, and even your Senate colleagues have asked the governor to send out the PFD checks early. What do you think? Well, I, I signed on to that letter, um, and, and I think uh, this is less a southeast issue um, than, than a, an issue, especially out in, in rural, remote areas of Alaska. Uh, because here in southeast, you can get a fuel barge into town any time of year, but when you're up the rivers in the interior, um, there's a limited window for those fuel barges, and, and when you've got to buy the winter's fuel, um, you've got to buy it. And and the price, because of you know the the global need to choke off Vladimir Putin's money supply, the price of fuel oil is just through the roof. So you know um, that that that's helped the state budget. It's helped us provide almost a triple um, uh, amount of money that as compared to last year's PFD. Uh, folks, especially in those remote rural parts of the state really need that help. Um, and so, yeah, I joined on uh, with those asking the governor um, at minimum, minimum, to put it out in two pieces, one now, one at the usual time in the fall. Um, but if possible, uh, get those folks uh, the cash so they can fill those fuel tanks when the barge comes up their river uh, and, and they can lay in a winter supply. Very good. Well, we will go to that break. We'll be back in just a second. We're back with Juno Senator Jesse Keel. Senator, we're hearing more talk on whether to hold a constitutional convention, which will be put to voters later this year. You're urging voters to vote no. Why is that? Well, Kevin, uh, I, I think a constitutional convention is, is tremendously dangerous for our state as a whole, but it is extra double bad news for southeast Alaska. Um, you have to remember, we have a way to amend our Constitution. Um, and we've done that, I think, 20 times um, since it was, it was adopted uh, on, on things where we really have a, a statewide need and there's agreement. And but that was legislatively, right? Right, right, through the legislature. But at a constitutional convention, absolutely everything is on the table and there for horse trading. And this is not a brand new constitution, um, you know, in, in the 1950s, uh, after a long period of study. There are folks with direct agendas, political agendas. And, and 
whether you, uh, whichever side uh, of the of the issue you fall on when it comes to the right to privacy or or the question of abortion, let me just remind you that the location of the capital is something that can be put in the Constitution, and the votes won't come from coastal Alaska at a new convention. Delegates will be chosen based mostly on on where people live, and 70-some percent of the state's population is in that rail belt, right? Kenai, Anchorage, Matsu, Fairbanks. And there is no reason they wouldn't say in the Constitution that the capital shall be at Willow or Wasilla or some other place that does nothing to improve a representative form of government, right? The capital location ought to be here in the capital city, and, and people send their representatives from wherever they are. You could put the capital on the moon for that point. So you but, see so you see those two issues as, as the forefront of this convention question. It's, it's, oh, I, I think that the forefront is going to be those folks who, who would like to change Alaska's right to privacy, um, as to, to, to move a, uh, a, a change in where Alaska's constitution is, uh, on on the abortion question, and, and I understand there are very strong opinions about that. I think the other thing will be the PFD. There are some folks who want to put a dividend check in the Constitution. It has never been there, of course. Um, and and I think there's a responsible way to do that, uh, by the way, through the legislative process. Um, but at a convention, everything is on the table. Everything. So Alaska's Constitution requires that we use and develop our resources for the maximum benefit of Alaskans. There will be environmental nonprofits from everywhere around the country, if we have a convention, in there to just tweak the language a little bit and make their agenda part of our fundamental law. Alaska's Constitution requires the sustained yield principle for our fish and game resources, right, which includes some conservation. It's got a good balance. There will be folks from some very large extraction industries who just want to change that language a little bit, and that will change the balance, right? Everything is on the table at a convention, and what I have to say is when it comes to the deadline and the horse trading happens, right, you've got a clause in your you know, drafting committee and I've got a clause in this drafting committee, and, and you may think, that the portion of the Constitution that's most important to you, like the, the minimum number of local government units, so we don't have three levels, four levels of taxation, like some places in the lower 48, right? Your, your city, your county, your state, your local thing. We don't have that in Alaska, right? Minimum local units of self-government are in our Constitution. Nobody's thinking about changing that until the horse trading starts at the end. And then you have no idea what's going to pop out of that thing. A capital move, uh, you name it. It is a dangerous scene for Southeast Alaska and for Alaska as a whole. So, so we've got things that, that could use a little adjustment in our Constitution. And when we get broad statewide agreement on those, history is very clear. We do get those constitutional amendments in front of the voters. Very carefully vetted one at a time. No horse trading. That's critical when you're talking about something as crucial as the Constitution itself. So, so I, am, I am strongly recommending that folks vote no on the November ballot when it asks if we should have a constitutional convention. So as we're coming to the end of the program here, Senator, I had noticed you're making, a, making rounds here in Southeast communities. So what are you hearing? 
Well, um, I'm, I'm hearing from folks that, that things are starting to look up a little bit. Um, you know, the, the fact that there are, is work for, for people who are looking for jobs uh, really helps. Um, but business owners are telling me that they just don't have enough people. Um, the fact that there's tourism again, right, means that those businesses have income, but they they need more folks to work those jobs. So so that's a challenge. Um, we're hearing that uh, you know some of the salmon returns, some of the fish returns are a little better. Um, it, again, after the last couple of years, uh, it wouldn't take much to be better. Uh, but but some of our our fishing households and our processors are are breathing a little bit easier. Um, so there's there's a little bit of room and and there's some hope again. You know, I think the fact that our ferry schedule should look much much better really does a tremendous amount to help our communities in Haines and Skagway and Gustavus that that share our district. Um, and of course, um, people are so so pleased to see that schools won't have to make another debilitating round of cuts to K-12. That's tremendous. Um, there's some hope for the, the rollout of, of statewide pre-K uh, over the next many years. It'll take longer than I want, but over the next many years, we're going to have universally available pre-K. It'll be voluntary, of course. Uh, and that that's was through the Reeds Act, right? That's through the Reeds Act. You uh, got it. Mm. That's going to make a huge difference to families um, and, and to the success of our schools overall. So um, there's some positives on the on the horizon. There are still a lot of challenges, and of course, the costs of everything are a huge piece of that. Um, and and everybody is struggling <clears throat> to meet those costs. So we've got work left to do. There's no question about it. Um, but uh, but you know, it's it's the Alaskan summer, and and we'll have rain again. It looks like by the weekend. Thank heavens. Um, so we won't all be sweltering. Um, you know, I think some of the worst crimes in Juneau history after long periods of sun. So don't worry. Our brains can rehydrate soon. We'll get some rain uh, coming up. Well, I'll leave you to the swelter for the meantime, then. <laughs> Thank you, Senator. Hey, thanks, Kevin, and thanks so much, everybody. Have a great day. And that's the program. Join us tomorrow as we speak with Southeast Conference Executive Director Robert Venables. But thank you for tuning in this July 5th. Congratulations to the parade winners, and I'll see you next time on Action Line.